Softly Spoken is an introvert's guide to thinking out loud about identity, meaning, and the moments that make us who we are. A mix of stories and interviews, Softly Spoken is a podcast that takes a deep dive into the hidden moments that shape us. It's an invitation for you to consider the version of you you are creating right now. What are you learning about yourself in the process? My name is Stefan. And I'm your host and introvert-in-chief. Today's episode is part one of a two-part series. Our guest is Paola Akel. Paola holds multiple identities. She is a friend that I met over 20 years ago at Université Laval in Quebec City, Canada, where we were both studying. She is Colombian. She is an only child. She is the daughter of a Lebanese mother. She is a caregiver. She is a war victim psychologist. She has been a wife. And more recently, she is a pioneer in the delivery of online therapy. In this first of two episodes, Paola describes her quest to connect with her Lebanese identity, a quest that deepened following the death of her mother when she traveled to Lebanon for the first time. All right, so do you want to just jump into it? Yes, I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you nervous? <laughs> I thought you do I online did. all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah, if you could introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I am a psychologist half Colombian, half Lebanese, who lived in Canada for 11, 12 years. And right now, I am an online psychologist. Okay. And that's pretty much it, because I work a lot. If I were to ask your best friend or somebody close to you, how would they describe Paula? What would they say? Well, people tend to describe me as someone who knows how to listen and who is chaleureuse, welcoming, and generous. Those are all beautiful, uh, beautiful qualities <laughs> to have. Of course, they also say that I am a bit crazy, that I have a bad temper. <laughs> I mean, the way I remember you, we met at University Laval when I was there for, for studying French, I guess. And you at that time, I don't remember if you were studying psychology at that time. Yes, I was studying psychology, but in Colombia. I was in an exchange study abroad program for one year. And then you moved back to Colombia, and then I guess you came back to Quebec uh, at some point to, to finish. Yes, exactly. So currently you're, you're living in Colombia? Just before I came back, I met someone. So when I came back, I finished my, my degree in, in psychology, got married, and came back to Quebec to study my master's. I became a psychologist, and I lived there until 2011. And by that time, my mom got sick. And it was really hard because it was a fast evolution, dementia. It was very sudden and massive. I am 
an only child, so I was all she had, and she was all I had. I never doubted. I knew that I was coming back as soon as my mom needed me, and she needed me, so I came back. Fortunately, at the time, my husband at the time accepted. He was not really working on something. Uh, he didn't really have a well-established life over there. So it was easy to come back in a certain way. It was more difficult for me because of my career. As soon as I came here, I got a job at the university and I took care of my mom part-time and I took care of my mom the rest until she died. Sounds like it was a, a tough time. <laughs> um, I mean, I just remember how close you were to your mother, um, even when, when I knew you back then. She was from Lebanese origins, if I'm correct, right? Exactly. You've moved around quite a bit, so have I. <laughs> I'm curious around how you've experienced living in different places. Do you have a sense of what home is for you? Right now, yes. But it hasn't been <laughs> that easy. As we were saying, I have Lebanese origins. But my whole childhood, I never went to Lebanon because Lebanon was in war when I was a child. So my cousins and all my family from Lebanon, I met them, but I met them here in Colombia. And it was like this idea of one of the places where I belonged, but it was more of a concept, an abstract concept. When I went to Quebec in Colombia, you know, my last name is like this weird thing that no one even knows that it is last name because it's just three letters. Well, your last name is Lebanese, right? Exactly. And nobody knows that name here. You know, it's really original. It's just my family. And then I arrived to Quebec and I was curious at the time, you know, we had these um, the books with all the no phone numbers of everyone. Oh, phone book. The phone book. And I opened at my name, and there were like 60 families or something like that. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm You were not. no longer unique. <laughs> exactly. And, and it was a shock, actually. It was, it was hard to swallow because I was so unique. And the other thing that was really funny was that we were living in the, the building where we, where we were living at a time when we met. Um, residents. Yes. The resident where we were living, they had this baladi class, the belly dancing class. I saw that and it was free, so I joined and I started to do belly dancing. It was a Quebecer teacher, but in the class, there were two ladies. So there were like moms, you know, I, I was 20, but they were Lebanese. And they knew my name and they started to talk to me in Arabic. And of course, I, don't, I didn't know any Arabic, just hello and thank you, something like that. But at the same time, what happened with Lebanese is that they're so expressive with their nonverbal that you actually can understand what they're saying. Not because you understand the language, but because they make it clear. 
What was that like? I mean, that must have been pretty disorienting in a way, because at the one hand, there's this familiarity at, at, at some level, but there's also this distance where it's like they're making assumptions about you, that you can speak the language, that you're one of them, and, and you're not. Exactly. And it was weird, but at the same time, it was like a door opened because suddenly someone that I didn't know saw me as a Lebanese, you know? I stopped being just a Colombian. I actually started to be perceived as Lebanese by Lebanese people. Did it change the way you saw yourself? A bit. It's like there's something there that I have not explored enough that I want to explore. Gotcha. They introduced me to the priest. And this is funny because in Lebanon, everything is very related to religion because of the, all the different religions and all the politics are related to religion. So it is actually very important in your identity, what are your beliefs, what religion you are. And it's not even a thing of, about beliefs, it's actually an identity. So it is different if you're Christian or Muslim, but even if you're Christian, there are different rights, there are different groups on the Christian community in Lebanon. And all of them have, you know, it, it, it's cultural. So they introduced me to a priest, and this priest was Melkit. I don't know how to say it in English. But anyway, the rite was Melkit, which is a rite that is Christian, but it's half Catholic, half Orthodox. It's Catholic, but it's more like the Orthodox rites. It's weird. <laughs> I was not sure that I, it was actually legit for me to go to that mass, for example, because it was not what I knew about my religion. But at the same time, it was supposed to be Catholic. So your mother was Catholic. Yes. It doesn't sound like it was a big part of your growing up experience, or, or was it? It was more like when my grandmother was there, not with my mother. When Once my grandmother died that part was not so present. However, and that's a good point, because when I went to the university here in Colombia, I went to the University of the Opus Dei, Dan Brown, the Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha. So religion was central in my training in the university. I never accepted, I respected, but I... I never went further. But when I arrived to Quebec, I had a feeling of emptiness because of the values, the cultural shock that I was leaving. And I ended up looking for and reach out to the people of the Opus Dei, which I would have never imagined when I was in Colombia that I would go there. Right. It's like right-wing Catholicism and... I'm not really right-wing, so I would have never imagined that. But because of this kind of emptiness that I was feeling, this was at least something that I knew. Right, it was familiar, and there's a sense of connection and community that comes with that. That said, at the same time, I met the Lebanese priest, who was Melkit instead of Maronit. My family comes from a rite that is the Maronites. It was a different branch of Catholicism. Exactly. But really different. 
I started to go to that mass because it was in the, in the building, it was in the university, it was easy, it was accessible, and it let me get in touch with Lebanese. Somehow, I became this girl who was adopted by the community, by the Lebanese community. They talked to me in Arabic. They changed to French because that's something that Lebanese do. They speak half uh, <laughs> sentence in French and half sentence in Arabic. So it was easy for me to follow. And it made me be in touch with that part of my identity. You had a place to belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the first thing that happened that made me question my identity. Because first, getting out of Colombia is where you understand for real what it means to be Colombian. But at the same time, I was Lebanese and I was treated as a Lebanese because my family doesn't treat me as a Lebanese. My Lebanese cousins, I'm the Colombian one. <laughs> right. And so now that you live in Colombia in the present, do you still think of yourself as primarily Colombian with a touch of Lebanese or how do you think of yourself? Yes. The other thing that happened is that after my mom died, I went to Lebanon. You were going to ask about life-changing moments. That was a life-changing moment. And it was really beautiful. It was my way to discover my mom in another way. So I just lost my mom, who was sick. And it has been difficult. And, you know, all the process accompanying her through her death was hard but beautiful. Because at the same time, I felt useful. I felt like my life had a meaning for the first time, for real. And I learned a lot. Spiritually, for me, it was really important to be able to be there and witness that and understand that my whole mission was to make her happy. And that's what I did. I did everything. And when she died, I was tired. And one of the things that were really, really hard is the last month when she died, no one was here. All my aunts and uncles and everyone was somewhere else. Everyone was in Lebanon, in Paris, in England, in the United States. Her best friend was in Argentina. No one was there when she died. So all the last moments of my life actually I narrated them over WhatsApp. It was really weird because I started a group for the whole family, but because I was getting crazy trying to keep everyone update. So I just opened a group. Everyone in the family was there. And I started to say every day how she was, how she was doing, if she had smiled that day or not, and also trying to feel that I was accompanied in that process. The day she died, I told everyone, and even the burial, I was transmitting on WhatsApp. And that's before COVID. I mean, now that's just normal, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what happened is that they were all there for me. It was really intense, and people who never talk to each other were on the same group suddenly and they all started to talk to each other and we all understood that we needed to 
reactivate those bonds and they all started to say that they wanted to see me, that I need to travel, that we need to pick a place in this earth so we could meet and everything. And then my husband at the time told me, he said, I don't want you to stay here for Christmas. It's going to be too hard. Why don't you go and spend Christmas and New Year's Eve with your family in Lebanon? It was his idea. I never thought of that, but it was so obvious that that was exactly what I needed to do. As soon as he said, it was like, of course, <laughs> there's no other option. So we booked plane ticket and I went first to Barcelona to see one cousin. That cousin took me, and this is another life-changing, <laughs> to something called family constellations. I don't know how you say it in English. Anyway, it's a form of therapy. I was very acceptable, and it was intense. It was beautiful. It was one day. So this is like a retreat where you spend a day with your family, or...? It's a therapeutic group, and it's like every person who is in that group start to represent your family. I didn't want anyone to represent my mom because she just died, and I was scared of what could be said. But it was incredible. It was deep. It was beautiful. That was my first week before I went to Lebanon. So when I arrived to Lebanon... There was already something that happened inside of me. <laughs> There was already something that I could relate with my mom that was no longer the sick woman who just died. So when I arrived to Lebanon, that was magical because my mom, I discovered, she really knew how to relate her histories. Every time I saw a place... It's like I already knew it. Oh, wow. You remembered the stories she told. Exactly. I remember every story and I could imagine her as a child running around because I already knew these stories. And my aunts and my cousins and everyone were telling me the same stories. So they were not new stories. They were stories with that, that I grew up with. And I could see her and it was, it was beautiful because I really could have access to a whole part of my mom that I'd never met, which was her Lebanese part. That was incredible. I cannot say that I'm Lebanese, but I have this part of her in me. It sounds like it was a profound way of not just honoring her, but also getting to know a part of yourself through that process. How do you think that changed the way you thought about yourself? I understood in little details. For example, I always loved when, when I was in Quebec, the relish uh, candy, the black, yeah. black relish candy. Oh, oh, licorice, licorice candy. Licorice, I tasted that in Quebec. I knew I have tasted that before and I loved it. And I knew I was weird because no one likes that. <laughs> it's true <laughs> and when I came back to Colombia every time someone was traveling from United States or Canada or something I always asked for that but it was always this kind of thing that it's me and I'm weird when I arrived to Lebanon I saw licorice somewhere 
And I told my cousin, I love that. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, but of course, don't you remember? Grandfather always had licorice on his pockets and every time he saw us, he gave us. Okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> and there were a lot of little details like that that made me have these moments that, ah, okay, that is what it comes from. So you came back from Lebanon having, I think, gone through quite a grieving process, reconnecting with your roots and connecting with your family. Did it shift what you thought you wanted to do with your life? Not necessarily what I wanted to do with my life, but it shifted in the way that because I had this feeling of know myself better and understand myself better, and let's say it, this feeling of belonging and knowing that I was part of something a lot bigger made me stronger. I came with a new energy. I came back, you know, I was ready to eat the world. <laughs> Next week, we continue our conversation with Paola for part two of her story. If you enjoy our show, please share it on social media or leave us a rating or review. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to our podcast to get notified of new episodes. See you next time. <laughs>